2: Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast, I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are Natalie and Kevin, no James I'm afraid, so if you only tune in for James, no point listening to the rest of the podcast. Another home win to talk about for Burnley, 2-0 victors against Bristol City at Turf Moor in the FA Cup on Saturday at Turf Moor and job done for the Clarets Natalie, we expected it to be fairly straightforward and it
3: was fairly straightforward. It certainly was. I think um, our regular listeners will recall that I'm um, ridiculously excited about the FA Cup this year for some reason, um, especially given our position in the league now. I think there's absolutely no reason at all why we shouldn't be really going for it and pushing all the way to Wembley if we can. Um, and today was just um, a really disciplined performance. I was really pleased to see it. Um, it had a lot of people were touting this as a possible banana skin. I'm not entirely sure how much threat Bristol City on paper were going to to uh, to pause given their position in the league and their Um, I think it's eight games, eight games on the bounce that they've lost. Um, Saying that, I don't think that they were terrible in any stretch of the imagination. I actually thought that they were all right. Um, The the biggest problem for Bristol is that they just had nothing up front. They they had no goal threat whatsoever. So our defence and Nick Pope had a pretty uh, relaxed afternoon just dealing with things comfortably. But, you know, possession wise and, and in the middle of the park, I thought they did all right. But Clarets were exactly what we wanted them to be. They were disciplined. They were efficient and they got the job done
2: yeah it seems sort of similar to the the Sunderland replay Kevin in the the first half wasn't that much wasn't very exciting Burnley struggled to create chances but then got ahead just before half time Sam Volts again got the goal and once Burnley were ahead at home touch wood, that's pretty much game over
4: yeah absolutely it was, a, it was a very it was a quite a very nice goal to watch as well actually a really nice um kind of teasing teasing move forward from from Defoe. And if, great kind of sly pass over to Volks who swept it home. It's one of those beautiful shots that it just seems to go in so sweetly into the bottom corner and yes, yeah, fantastic, fantastic time to, to score. I think it changes the whole dynamic, particularly, I think sc- scoring any goal um, on the stroke of half-time and ch- going in at half-time one goal up rather than level at nil-nil changes the dynamic of the game and changes the way you approach half-time, approach second half, particularly more, p- more than anything at all probably, particularly Burnley at home. Um, that that just changes everything completely, and we we we'll have gone into that fit into the into the, into the dressing room at half-time thinking you know we're we're leading at home at home uh, against a, a championship team, and th- th- this is this is on the Wales. On the other hand, Bristol City would they could have got into nil nil. They'd have been thinking you know okay we we've held them back so far. This is a really good start, but w- Bristol they'll, they'll know all about our home record, and to concede that just going in uh, trailing would have been downbeat enough as it is, knowing that how, how unlikely it was that we were gonna come back uh, they were gonna come back from that. But to have that to be hanging on right till the end and then lose it lose that the, their advantage almost right at the end of the first half would have been even more um disappointing for them. So oh a fantastic time or uh, time around to score for us.
2: Yeah, I think six wins in a row now for Burnley at Turf Moor. something like 8-9, or is it 9-10? Only Man City have stopped us in the last few months, and (laughs) it feels like we say the same thing on the podcast all the time, but at home, Burnley are a real force. Kev's already talked about the first goal, Natalie, but the second goal, wow, we could probably spend half an hour talking about the second goal, absolutely sensational from Stephen DeVore. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal, isn't it? I <laughs> would just watch it, it on a loop for hours. Not Honestly,
3: the, the Turf was just absolutely ecstatic when that went in. It looked, in real time, in, in space, when you were watching it in the game, it looked like he'd completely fluffed it. It looked like he'd just chipped over. Yeah, and it was just... He
2: put so much disguise on it, it probably wasn't clear he that did, he was yeah. trying to shoot.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me watching this game today, and a little bit earlier than than Defoe's goal, um, I was watching Keane um, clearing a few balls around the defence, and one of the the points that I made uh, to my other half who sat next to me was that um, they always seem to perfectly weight their passes, so whenever Keane either hits it back to the keeper or passes it to me, it's, it's very rarely short, I don't think I've ever seen it come up shorter, it doesn't overhit it. He just puts the perfect amount of spin and weight on it to get it to exactly where the other player needs it to be. And DeFore, he's very much like that as well. When you see some of his dead balls in midfield or he's just passing it around, he never really ever seems to get out of first gear. He always just seems to be um, quite um, relaxed and calm and just almost like strolling around the park. And that goal was another example of that. He just put the perfect amount. He didn't over hit it. He didn't thump it into the back of the net yeah, with the, it the bounced pretty much going on open. the line. Like, he did. It did. He could he have knew hit exactly. it a lot harder.
2: <laughs> he just kicked yeah, it harder. He didn't. Enough.
3: And it was never and even though it looked like it for us, it looked like he just like he was just gonna bobble out. It, you know, we were used to seeing those kind of of shots go a little bit awry. But he, he knew exactly I think he knew as soon as it hit his foot that he'd done just yeah. Yeah, you do don't you're as a
2: player, how, yeah. I was thinking it I've seen various descriptions. Like, it's not really a lob, is it? It's almost a chip. No, or,
3: it's like a, a chip. Did he scoop it. Yeah, he, he almost did. So I think he he found himself pushed out a little bit too wide, and and obviously given that his uh is not as comfortable on his left foot as he is on his right, he obviously just had to improvise at the time. And I think he just looked up and just saw um a space from the from the keeper, and he he, he almost like he scooped chipped it from the outside of his. But almost like, do you know how lacrosse players like get the ball and sort of like? It was kind of like the football no. equivalent yeah. of lacrosse.
2: No, <laughs> no, that, Is that that's one
3: quite way hard got a net to the Yes, the, no. the big, big fancy nets and kind of scoop it up and throw it. It was a football equivalent of lacrosse. I don't know how that, that's going to land with many of
4: our listeners, but. <laughs> you know what, we're a Burnley podcast, Natalie. Most, football. Podcast. N- nobody in Burnley knows what lacrosse. <laughs> Even means.
3: So, I maybe might want to
2: whole, just read things. My whole my knowledge of lacrosse comes from American Pie. That's
3: how I know, you know it, exactly. So, a in enough of our that's listeners will listen to well. American Pie that they'll know that. If not, that's your homework for next podcast <laughs> listeners. You tell me what Timing, to know what lacrosse five is. Five <laughs>
2: minutes into the podcast and she's already saying the homework. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were talking about a little crisis we'd have Talk of him. Not being happy, he wasn't playing enough. He was out of the team for a couple of games, talking about wanting to go to China or back to Belgium. That's all forgotten now. He's he's in fantastic form and ran the game today.
4: Uh, We hope it's forgotten. I I mean, there was never any... I don't think there was ever any... His his ability on the the pitch and his form particularly wasn't particularly a a massive concern. It was um, so... It's difficult to know if it's forgotten or if it's just kind of moved off the limelight a little bit. Maybe we've been getting a little bit more game time playing on the, with due to injuries perhaps. Um, so I, 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 I think it's a bit early to say that it's completely forgotten, but I, I hope it is. Sean Dyche has been, the last three or four games now, has been very clear in, in praising DeFour after the match, but not also, it's not, not saying that it's completely there. It's, it's very much been saying, we're seeing a lot of a lot of improvement from Stephen, um, saying that he's uh, still adjusting. and we've the adjustment is very positive. He's getting there, but he's still very cl- clear to say that he's not quite at the at the level where Dyche wants him to be. So there's going to be still some question marks there. It's clear that Dyche is is encouraged, but not still not entirely happy with him. Um, and when we've got a full, a full well, I say will. If, we, if we've got a full squad again, uh, and depending on how, on how that all happens, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with DeFore, whether he does get a, a, a regular berth from the team every match, home and away once again, or whether he, he drops out a little bit more. and it'll be, Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what if getting a bit more game time, if if Sean Dyches maybe increased confidence has, um, has made DeFore a bit more comfortable at the club, maybe... Uh, kind of alleviated some of his fears it's probably a bit too early well to just to, to say that but the signs are good he's he's playing on, doing fantastic things on the pitch like we've seen today which i suppose is the most important thing um at, at the end of the day certainly in the, in the short term so yeah I, I, i'm not 100% sure it's been it's begot- been forgotten behind the scenes but i really hope it has
2: Well certainly um, anyone who was judging to happiness off his partner's twitter feed when <laughs> she was retweeting people saying he should be in the team it's totally different today. <laughs> Retweeting loads of messages about a brilliant Stephen De Forest, which is basically what we've been doing from from now ever as well. Um, it's an interesting point Kev raises though, Natalie. In a four four two, De Forest's been playing out wide recently. Goodmanson was back today. Uh, we'll come on to Dean Marnie, but in in a four four two, does De get in the team in the middle, or are we still going to see him on the left for now? Dash seems to like him on the left.
3: Yeah, I think Daesh prefers him out that out wide, doesn't he, as opposed to in the centre. Now, We're to be honest, it'll be back to to four four two for the last game. Yeah, I would have thought so. And also at the moment, with with Marnie being injured and and Barton facing a ban, uh, I'm not entirely sure that 4-5-1 formation is on the cards at the moment because we haven't really got the personnel depending on what happens in the transfer window. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. Um, <sighs> Daish has has got he's got a bit of a tricky situation in midfield because whilst he was getting particularly he was getting quite comfortable in all of the um you know the, the formations that were working well and players knew exactly what they were doing, he's now facing a situation where the his preferred options aren't available to him. And how does he get the best out of that team and carry on this momentum? But whilst not being able to pick the people he wants to do it, I don't, I don't yeah. really know. To I think it's really tough. I think it was it's a really
2: clear tough. indication that, uh, that Jeff was on the bench today. I think
3: that that means he's, he's rested him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They nailed on
2: to play on Tuesday. It's a case yeah. of
3: who well, then Jeff's plays, our
2: Jeff. I think. Yeah, I think team. if you look
3: at it now, Jeff's our primary mid, central midfielder. He's like number one. Yeah, you know, I would it, think it, so. he has With to. With Marnie he,
2: injured, Henry's going to have to be the one who like leads the press and
3: yeah, absolutely, does the energy in midfield. Yeah, which I I have no problem with, and I think um, given his improvements in the side since he started with us, I think he will do that job absolutely fine. Yeah, um, you can tell that
2: Jeff's becoming more popular because everyone calls him Jeff now
3: yeah. <laughs> instead of Hendrick
2: <laughs> or even Hendricks.
3: Hendricks. <laughs> 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 yeah, but he's yeah. definitely winning so,
2: people over. He's yeah. graduated quite to first as well. terms. Yeah,
3: quite rightly as well. He's, he's done a, he's done a good job, but. We've got a I'm sure we'll come on to this when we talk about the transfer window, but we've we've got some tricky decisions in the central midfield especially.
2: Yeah, I think it it's gonna be really interesting to see what Dash does on Tuesday. I wonder if he will use the four on the left and um stick with that for now and then play Hendrick with Barton, but he's got options despite um Dean Marnie's injury. We need to talk about Dean Marnie's injury, Kevin injured in typically Marnie style chasing back, doing a long run and then trying to do a massive tackle and he got booked for it. Um, it was maybe quintessentially Marnie but um, a second very serious knee injury, the same knee, it's probably going to be out for a year and it's a massive loss, so much of our success in recent years. Dean Marnie's been at the heart of it.
4: Yeah, absolutely and I think he's one of those players who, he he's just I think he, he epitomises Sean Dyche approach really in that he's he's quite a an aggressive i wouldn't say yeah he's an aggressive player but not in a kind of he, he's going to pick up he picks up his fair amount of fouls but you never you won't call him a dirty player but he's definitely an aggressive player and he wears his heart on his sleeve and he gives everything he's got which is it's a real and he's you know he'll always dig in which I think is what uh, Sean Dyche's teams are uh, teams are all about and it's strange but I think we've been looking through the the non-never blog archive. Um, recently, we saw a blog post which somebody wrote can't it was a, about you know several years ago um, saying uh, should should Gene Marnie, should we release him at the end of his contract? And if it, was, it wasn't just a non and everything, it was a few. The um, comments were about fifty-fifty. Some saying let's get let him go, and some saying let's yeah, keep him. And
2: first couple of years at the club, he didn't make that much of an impact.
4: No, it's it's, an, it's incredible now to to go from to and being a, a key player in our in our in our team in the Premier League and yeah and he's as well as being such a big part of a Sean Dyche team he's one of those players that fans absolutely love it's it's you'll you'll not find a, a Burnley fan who isn't absolutely in love with Dean Marnie. he's just a, a real fans favourite so it's such a shame that he's had. Injury problems for a couple of years now, and like you say, in January again in the Premier League, it's, it's just such a, such a shame. The amount of what he's put into Burnley Football Club that he's not going to be able to finish a Premier League season with us with us again. And but hopefully, we, you know, he can. I, I, can't, I think he's a he's a big character in the dressing room. From what we've seen and heard, certainly from watching him, you can imagine him being a big character. So hopefully, his his, his influence continue, can continue to be felt. Um, and the players can use him as a bit of inspiration as well for the rest of the season
2: yeah I think that's true I mean Daj stressed didn't he that the, the fact that he's been through it before almost makes it not as bad because he knows he knows what it takes to come back but now he's, he's 32 now and there's a chance that Burnley could move on from Dean Marnie they're going to have to move on from yeah. Dean Money in the short term um, do you think we need to sign a replacement before Tuesday's deadline we, talk about playing 4-5-1, we've only got three Central midfielders now. Yeah,
3: exactly. Unless you're
2: going to count um, <laughs> no, 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 I no, 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 we, no. We've done that one. <laughs> we've, we've done, done that to
3: one to death. death. We're not doing that again. <laughs> um, well, Taking each to each of like this is two points there. You, you raise the first and foremost the effect it's going to have on Marnie. Um, you're right. You know he is 32 now, and he's um, he's having to go through this injury twice for the second time now, and it's going to take him the best part of a year to recover. This potentially is the end of Premier League, and I, I don't want to sound sensationalist, but this is potentially the end of Marnie being able to perform at this level. And um, this could be the kind of thing. I, I, I think he's still very much. Um, a performer in the in the championship, but I think that this could be um, a, a deal breaker in terms of Premier League football. Um, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here because I know the person that I'm going to speak about now does listen to this podcast. But um, a source close to him has um, said that apparently Marnie is absolutely devastated with yeah,
0: well, uh, with this injury.
3: Man. Yeah, he's literally he's on the floor, so devastated. Well well. Exactly, and I do wonder whether, like you say, that there's part of it where you think, well, maybe he's all right because he understands. Um, what it takes to come back from it. But in the same time, he's, uh, you know, I wonder whether or not this devastation is very much down to the fact that he thinks that um, it, it, he realises in his own head that it, that it's over now. Um, so, yeah, from that point of view, I, I do worry for, for Di Marni and what that impacts that that's going to have. He's going to need to rely on his teammates and the club to really help him through this. It's going to be a very difficult stage. Um, so turning to the second point of, of what you, you mentioned there, it's the how in, oh, yeah. this... Yeah, how this now affects on the team. Um, I, th- I personally think that we are looking pretty short um, in terms of central midfield options, especially if the rumours that have been circling around over the last 24 hours in that uh, apparently the FA want to make an example of Joey Barton and throw the book at him. And there's some people suggesting that a ban of up to around 10 games may be on the cards. Um, I-, I imagine that the club probably know um, what he's going to get. Um, so you know, I, I'm not sure whether that's just rumour mill at the moment, and, and people wanting to throw mud at Joy Barton because that's a popular sport for many football fans. Um, but let's assume that Bart- that uh, money gets, it's uh, not money sorry, Barton gets maybe five game ban. That would be pretty, that would be pretty difficult. That takes us what to March. Um, so to go from now until March with only, um, well, Jeff Hendrick being our first, I guess, true central midfielder. Um, you're going to have to play De in the middle with him because he's probably the only one who can do it. Unless you take a real gamble and, and bring uh, Matty O'Neill in, uh, within is so not Matty yeah. in with his experience and, and try and get him some experience. Um, but and then Dash
2: doesn't like De in the middle in a four-four-two, so no, probably have to go to a four-five-one. So- you exactly. can't go to a 4 5 one if you don't it have any other central midfielders. Now. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's really tough. Um, I, I, I don't know whether, a lot of a lot of the people who I sit around me today were suggesting that the uh, trial with um, Tarkovsky in the central midfield today was, that, was an indication that's how it's going to be. I don't think it was. Um, it was the right game to try him, but it was the right game to get him experience if he needs to bring him on as an emergency. I just cannot see that this is going to be... Um, well, how Our Premier League survival is going to be based on... Oh, yeah, because uh, otherwise it it, in the
2: middle. Jeff would have played, wouldn't
3: he? Yeah, exactly, we I think. If were planning
2: for well, life Barton, it makes no sense for Barton to have played.
3: Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I, I'm not entirely sure here what, uh, what what's going to happen. Uh, for me, I think we absolutely 100% have to get... Um, well, I guess... I guess at the moment with with Moni's injury, Daisha's plans and the board's plans for the January transfer window have been thrown out a little bit. Um, Now, I suspect that buying a winger is still the number one um, target, but I wonder whether now we're also trying to get... uh, I think we'd we'd be crazy not to be getting a central midfielder, even if it's only one on loan.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, we'll talk about targets. Robbie Brady seems to be the obvious one. I'm sure people would have maybe made the case that trying to negotiate hard over Brady and they'd have probably taken, I don't know, 15 million, but it might be that if we can save a couple of million quid on the Brady deal, then we might be able to bring in the central midfielder. Um, Kevin, I suppose the, the, the benefit of the Marnie injury, if we're going to try and look for silver linings, is that it is before the deadline. Last time in the Premier League, we didn't sign a midfielder when we needed one, and then Dean Marnie was out for a year, pretty much, so at least we do have the opportunity in some time to try and get someone in
4: yeah absolutely and that was it was last year it was made it doubly devastating because I think it was only like a couple of days after the window had closed but that happened yeah, and it was
2: like the, the next game I think
4: yeah we just lost um, Chalaboo as well so we kind of lost two, two although he never played we still lost two midfields in a couple of for a couple of weeks so yeah um, that, that is certainly a silver line and yeah we absolutely need to bring someone into to a place and whether that's a permanent deal or, or a loan I think that depends on budget obviously the, the preference would be permanent deal particularly with a an eye on on like you say on Marnie's age I think fully fit he's, he's still got a, a role to play for the next couple of years but you never know what's what's going to happen with with an injury of this kind, but also just being out of the, out of the game for for a year uh, at this age it, it takes. I'm guessing it takes a bit more to come back uh, at your top level um, when you uh, when you're a bit older. So you, you've got to have an eye on that. And yeah, obviously the, the preferences we bring in a nice um, kind of young youngish player, um, but obviously with, with that bit of. Premier League class on a permanent deal, whether you, we can get a, a, a Premier League quality young midfielder on our budget at kind of relatively it's short notice. It's
2: expensive, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Stevens was the the one everyone talked about in in August. It's been a bit more quiet um, this month, but as far as I'm aware, he hasn't signed any contracts. Uh, no, but I and mean, then so with even Brighton fighting high, they might be tempted to sell when he, he's going to go for nothing at the end of the season.
4: But Then on the other hand, if you if you if you if our budget rules out a, a permanent deal, then are we going to get a loan in? Because you look at what Sean Dyche has done with with loan players, and we've had um, Flanagan played nothing, Bamford, Bamford played, no, uh, Bamford played nothing, um, Shalabert played nothing, um, Michael Keane even didn't play a lot of football while he was a loan player. It, it's only when he signed permanently that he ever came into the team. So. You've got to look. If, we, if you've got a Premier League quality midfielder um, who's going to go out on loan, I, I, I just wonder if, if players and managers are going to be willing to, to take that risk and send it into Burnley because that, it is a big risk. It's a if you look at our record, it's going to be do I go to Burnley and spend the next six months doing nothing, um, just sitting on the bench or not even in the squad? It's that, I think that's been my well, problem. Then, yeah, with Yeah, I
2: agree. But then the flip side is if if someone was good enough to come and play, then they'd probably be playing for the current club, wouldn't absolutely.
4: Yeah, they? yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so, disputing. it's a I, difficult I, balance? It is. It's not, I'm not really disputing kind of sure. Sundaich's uh, approach, because obviously I think Shallaber perhaps wasn't quite ready at the time. Um, Bamford's never showed anything to show he should be playing football, um, for Oh, sneaking
2: that one in when James isn't on the podcast. That was naughty, <laughs> <laughs> Flanagan. naughty! If James I was he on was the podcast, going to stop
3: as well, saying like, he's got <laughs> no business playing football, and, <laughs> which is Let me just
2: put a little insert there. If James was on the podcast, which he's not, what he would say is, "We don't know how good Bamford
4: is because he never got a chance to play." <laughs> yeah, but um, Flanagan has played, and he's just not, not good enough. James, so yeah. it's not. I'm not. I'm not particularly saying he's shunned. I should be played. I'm just thinking, if you're a player or, or a manager you look at that record and it's going to give you some doubts. Um, so that's, that's the only concern there. So I think whatever we, we go for, permanent or alone, there are some difficulties in that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, it's probably something that's going to go right down to the wire.
2: Yeah, I think that, that's the inevitable. One. We've only got a couple of days to go. Um, the player that everyone seems to be talking about, possibly coming Natalie, is Robbie Brady from Norwich. Uh, the, the word is that Norwich trying to sign a replacement and then they'll maybe allow Brady to go. Burnley also had a bid reportedly accepted for Robert Snodgrass. I think Dash even talks about Snodgrass which is a pretty clear indication that we were interested. Um, but I suppose once West West Ham came in for him it was inevitable that we wouldn't be able to compete with them on wages. Do you think Brady's likely to be done? He'd be a good addition wouldn't he? he plays anywhere down the left. Great engine. Fantastic set pieces. It looks like he's a bit of a no brainer from our point of view but It's going to be another club record. A third Yeah, of the it
3: is. <laughs> yeah, I think. um but, oh, Burnley I think,
2: splashing the cash. I know. Middlestar fans will be furious.
3: They will. Oh my gosh! And do you know what I find really funny? Um, and this just makes us laugh. Like, and obviously, for, for years and years and years, we've uh, we've whinged about um our board, you know, tightening, uh, sorry, loosening the purse strings a little bit and bringing players in and giving it a good go. And my dad called me um a couple of days ago talking about the football, and he's actually started to really panic about the money that we spent in whether or not we're in any financial danger. I was like. Fairly fan log- logic for you um but yeah I, I agree with you it looks like that the brady deal is is going to be done depending on whether um norwich can get their replacement in the the obvious huge warning sign over that um sale is that what if they don't what if they don't manage because apparently um, forgive me I don't don't know this for definite but from what I've heard Norwich literally do not have anybody to cover him if they sell him so what are we going to do if Norwich then cannot replace him and we can't buy Brady do we have um, another option do we have you know, it just it gets to that point where about a week ago, this this transfer window was looking incredibly exciting, and we looked like we were going to go in and and actually take um, a relegation rivals best player off them and do what teams have been doing to us for years, and we were going to you know break all transfer records again and maybe bring loads of different players in, and we're now getting pretty close to uh deadline day and uh, it just really worries me that um, we are potentially in a situation where we may not sign anybody. That sounds a little bit panicky and possibly a little bit dramatic. Um, Deitch did say in his interview that there was two or three players that were not in the press that he's working on at the moment. So who knows what he's got up his sleeve. Um, but I... Uh, yeah, Brady's a very Burnley player, isn't he? He's, um, we talked about this last week, about the difference between Brady and Snodgrass, one being one for the future, and medium-term impact, and one being a shorter-term impact. Um, I'm not entirely sure we were ever seriously in for Snodgrass, to be honest. I do wonder whether a lot of that was forcing West Ham's hand and, and just getting that either yes or no pretty quickly. Um, and like you say, he was never going to come to us once West Ham were in there anyway. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think... I think we'll know in the next 24 hours or so whether this is gathering more and more momentum, but I'm going to start getting really worried if we go into the Leicester game on Tuesday and we still have not got any news coming out, to be honest.
2: Yeah, well, I think we've talked before, haven't we, the Leicester game massively complicates matters with the deadline at 11 o'clock. Um, I think Swansea manager Paul Clement has said that he might even be tempted to to be in the office, not on the sidelines for, for his team's game.
3: Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if some managers hype. do that. Yeah. And, and also as well, it would just be, it could, it's almost like a little mini like rally. It's like a little demonstration by the managers just to show people how ridiculous it has been that in a league of this stature with all of the world's sporting media on it, there was such a fundamental flaw in the logistics of a transfer window. Like how how has this been allowed to happen? This is ridiculous. Um, so I'd quite I'd quite like to see all the managers go on strike, all sit in the office, none of you on the touchline, have a protest.
2: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, I, I suppose the the flip side to all this, Kevin, is that we are like 13th in the Premier League table. We've got a nice cushion. If we didn't sign anyone, it's probably not a disaster. It'd just be a shame to to miss the opportunity to strengthen the squad and push on a bit this season. After all, we've got. An FA Cup to go and win.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, which I think you'll all, if if you'll all rewind a couple of episodes, I I did say um, before the last round we were going to win the cup. So um, that's no all bonus me.
2: points. No bonus points for the predictions game for predictions. Damn it. The
4: um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not worried at all. Actually. I think I, I'm quite confident we will get um, we'll we'll get at least a deal over the line. I, I think we'll probably get two over the line before. Um, before the, the window closes, I think, particularly have, after having our um, uh, our struggles the, on transfer deadline day um, in, in the summer with um, missing out on the on the winger, I, I, you'd think we'd make sure that that doesn't happen again, um, and we, we'll get the, the, the deal done that we need to happen. But even if it doesn't, obviously, it's far from ideal when you've got um, when we've lost a couple of players uh, this month, but. Uh, if if we were not to sign in, we would go forward with the squad we've got. I'd, I'm still very confident that we um, can survive relegation and probably survive relegation comfortably. I'm, certainly, the areas of the squad I'd like to I'd like to strengthen. Um, areas of the starting lineup I'd also like to strengthen. But if you look at our squad and the way we've been performing. Even without signing anybody, it, it takes something significant for us to, to 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 go down from now. I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I
2: think. I think, them, think um,
4: yeah. Sorry, Natalie. I think the only the
2: only little extra thing I put in there is that we are probably vulnerable if key players get injured. But every club is like that. I mean, I was talking to someone on Twitter about signing a false strike, and they were like, "Just use one of the young lads as cover." But what if Andre Gray gets injured? or posts some more bad tweets and gets banned for 4-8 for we've got no cover for Andre Gray Patrick Bamford was cover for Gray and now he's not there Barton, if he gets banned what's what's the, the backup plan for Joey Barton? What happens if, if Goodmanson gets injured? What happens if Michael King gets injured? What happens if more than one of these gets injured at any one time? We do have some quality cover but it's quite the squad's still quite thin in some areas now
3: yeah, it is. It is, and I think it's not just... I think it's quite an interesting point that Kevin just raised there. It's it's not just the effect on our side and I think I share Kevin's confidence that even if we, let's say the worst thing happens on, on Tuesday and we don't bring anybody else in and this squad is it um, to, to bring in and to survive for the rest of the season Then yeah I agree with Kevin, I think we've done enough and we've, we're have we proving to do enough um, to try you know, to survive but what we've also got to bear in mind is it's not just controlling what we do with our business, we also need to be mindful that some of our relegation rivals at the bottom uh, and I, I say that loosely obviously I know we're in a, a fantastic position at the moment but if you you've got other teams around you who are going out into the market and buying teams and strengthening them they suddenly become a lot stronger and you stay yeah, the same and you then you stand that still
2: gam- and everyone else moves forward
3: precisely then you know suddenly the skill edge is, is taken off a little bit and, and it starts to get a little bit more uncomfortable so I, I think there is that that to bear in mind um, I, I just think I, I think I think we touched on this a little bit last week I think for me is that I, I don't I think you can afford at any point in this league to relax you know we, we talked about it last week and, and, and talked about um if we do survive next season even if we finish comfortably for sort of 14th 15th in the league next season we'll be relegation favorites again we will be seen as one of the weaker teams in the division again we won't have the financial clout that other teams have got again even though you know every season it's 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 improving and I think that's still the same in transfer windows I don't think any premier league club who's got aspirations to survive can afford to have a transfer window where they do not strengthen their squad at some point whether that be a little bit in terms of getting cover for a key position or whether they want to improve the first team as it is so I think as far as Burnley are concerned we just need to get a little bit savvier to this league and realise that this isn't you know an easy ride we, we can't just afford to do nothing
2: yeah I'm also I'm gonna um, do my little James Bird impression again and say that well, we don't want to sign someone for the sake of signing someone. <laughs> That's what James would be saying if he was on the podcast, so take that box, move on. <laughs> Asked on Twitter this week how many signings people thought we need before Tuesday's deadline. This was after Dean Marnie's injury. 900 and odd people voted on this. 4% said none. Uh, 4% very ambitious people, I think. 9% said one. 61% said two. 26% said 3 or more I think they're probably a little bit ambitious but two signings sounds about right to me I'll be thrilled if we can get a couple in I think we're a little bit light up front, Bamford didn't have an impact but a full striker is needed as cover if we want to play 2 up front because he only needs one injury or suspension and then all you strikers are playing um, and I do think we need to replace Marnie and a winger is obviously a priority it's been a priority for, for a long time now um we'll move on to previewing Leicester next, but first up, over to Natalie for this week's Tweet of the Week.
1: Tweet of the week, tweet of the week. Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the
3: week. Tweet of the week. Indeed, and this well, week's might have been tweet. That the longest pause yet. <laughs> I think it was because I was just—I was struggling to find the unmute button on Skype. My my mouse wouldn't move, so I'm like not being able to move. So Kev's doing I'm well this
2: kidding. week. He hasn't—he hasn't been talking on mute yet this time. Right?
3: He I hasn't took, talked on mute, yeah, and he has got all his sentences as well. I'm very <laughs> proud of him, Kevin.
0: <laughs> um, Great job. So
3: this. It do. Good job, good job. This week's Tweet of the Week, we're dipping back into the cup and moving away from transfers. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that we're going to have a lot of transfer tweets next week. Uh, but we, we're talking about a nice, warm, cuddly feeling that we get from a nice cup running into the fifth round for the first time since 2011. So this week's Tweet of the Week comes from Paul Walmsley. bit of a disclaimer here. Uh, this tweet is kind of one opinion, but it just stretches onto two tweets because he just Ooh. carries sentence so, so I, I think this still approves because it's one yeah, it's one comment it. just a little I'll bit yeah it. it's a little bit thing um thanks jamie
4: you're <laughs> <So, laughs> very <bit> forgiving jamie
3: <laughs> he is i think i like these saturday night recordings we always get jamie in a good mood and, and we get away with all Not sorts drunk, this <laughs> i know keep the boss happy and you'll know. we'll have a happy team <laughs> i know <laughs> so this week's tweet of the week comes from paul wormsley who says great day all in all through to the next round, witnessed an absolute world about Stephen DeFore, had £20 on 20 pounds on 2 nil to top it off, and let's not forget Ben Mee's showboating when he sent two Bristol City fours to France with his awesome dribbling. So, well done, Paul Wormsley. They won my tweets. I think.
2: <laughs> well done, Paul. <laughs> um, glad someone else picked 2-0. <laughs> Come to predictions. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, do we shop. have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have to, Unfortunately. Someone came up with the idea of a predictions league, and no, we stuck with it. <laughs> anyway, You're on the every cup, life choice <laughs> on the cup. Before we do move on to talking about Leicester, Um going into the fifth round. I think it's the first we've been in the cup for a few years. Uh, a couple of big clubs going out. Liverpool went out today. Spurs nearly went out. Um We've talked about it opening up for us, Kevin. I suppose it depends who we get in the draw on Monday, but some, Well. That was going to be part of my question. Would you would you want to play Rovers or would you want a lower league side at home? Oh, don't be boring, Natalie. Lincoln at home, then we
0: no no finals.
4: Listen, look, right. I mean, we beat them. Surely we'd beat them, home or away. Look, right. This is this is something. What this is something. This ties into something that annoys me. I think a little bit about football. I think too many people look at football with too much of a competitive angle on it. Too much of you know, let's let's just get a win. Let's just and for me, what I look at football as an entertainment business. You know, obviously it, there's that but You want to win all the time. You want to get as far as you can. But ultimately, I think football is an entertainment business. And you, 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 we all watch football because we want to be entertained. If it was purely sport, we might go into something that was a bit more neutral, without all the money, without all the glamour. Without, it's not. We we all were drawn to football because it's so entertaining, and that goes into not just the football on, on the pitch, but everything that goes around it. It's why. Um, I always scoff at Jamie when he says move on about Owen Coyle because so I think Owen Coyle, the whole thing around Owen Coyle, it's almost like a pant- pantomime villain. It's something who we you know, we love to hate and it adds that extra spice to the game and it just adds that little bit of something and I think what you, you look at the games we've played against Owen Coyle, and it's always been a fantastic atmosphere. It's always been you know, jeering him throughout the whole match. You pair that with playing against Blackburn. I think that truly that you can just imagine the atmosphere Particularly if we win, you can imagine beating Blackburn and or in Coyle in one match. That'd just be it'd be fantastic. So for me, yeah, it's going to be. Let's, and let's be honest, it's going to be like it's going to be decades, centuries until we play Blackburn again <laughs> in the league. So we've got to play them in the cup at some point. So let's play them while we're let's play them at home while we're on a high. Where we get Blackburn in the cup at home, it'd be a massive shock for us to for us to lose that. So and
2: yeah, for be me, real it's, season though, couldn't like, it? Play a devil's out, get Robes at home in the cup, and if we lost, it
4: could be do. But that's but that's, uh, that, that's taking a very negative approach against it. Uh-huh. I mean, you've got to, you've got to go into this, and for me, these are the games what you, you love to you love to you love to play, and you love to win. You, you love to watch, and that's for me that'd be the dream, a dream. I know for many people, I yeah. respect the people who. Uh, don't agree with that but we are wrong so, um... <laughs>
2: <laughs> and of course kevin is
3: statistically I, is right, yeah. the most
2: right as exactly. we'll come to
3: i do agree with you kevin i agree with every single point you get there i have absolutely no do. But... i do but, <laughs> but my
4: personal because thing because
3: it's right it's not my personal view isn't isn't disagreeing with him at all i think everything he said is absolutely spot on the only reason why i don't want them in the next round of the cup is that um i as much as it is an entertaining game i get too stressed out watching burnley blackburn and it's so therefore it's not enjoyable for me that's the only reason
2: it's not just that it's all the nonsense around it like the 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 bubble match thing and like everyone's a bit on edge like it's it's the nast. like i get what kev means about like the banter between the fans and stuff but often that crosses a line into nastiness and um i think we could avoid that that said like i'd take home draw against the lower league side next round and rovers in the quarter final and deny them a trip to wembley that'd be quite good that'd be my preference
3: god can you imagine (sighs) though the stress of that game (laughs) quarter final against
2: rovers would be amazing Um, (laughs) what's what's your preference then natalie anyone at home
3: um, anybody at home, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I've already made my, my feelings about Blackburn just because I, as a personal preference, I, I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, I would really like to see, I'd like to see, like, you know, a Lincoln or you know, one of the, the lower league sides come yeah. in there just at turf because I just think that would be nice. And uh, when you get into these later stages of the cup and you're one of the um, top seeded sides still left in it and the some of the lower league sides that are still left in it, they get all the attention. So I think it's really good that you get... Um, you know, you get that uh, exposure yeah, in the media as pie, well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want. You want that's everybody to, t- you want the about fans it, isn't it? The Exactly. The,
2: the big boys. And the, yeah,
3: definitely. So in that sense, I don't want a Premier League side because I just think it's like, oh, we play them yeah. twice in the league. Um, But in a similar, similar vein as well, if it's not going to be one of the lower league sides, I wouldn't mind somebody like Leeds at turf because I think that's big enough draw to um, get the, um, yeah, I think it. Well, a I think if it, uh, it and, yeah, so. exactly. And also, as well, I think a side like Leeds are doing well in the Championship would be a tough enough side that it would give us a real test and, and make sure that we had to play our strongest team and we had to really go for it to, to just to give us um, an incentive to get through to the next round. So, I think my preference, well, like I say would be somebody like Leeds at Turf.
2: It's not a bad show. Well, oh, I'm sure we'll talk about the draw on next week's podcast. Be a busy one next week's podcast. There'll be two games and deadline day and FA Cup draw, all sorts of stuff to go over. Um, but for towards the end of this week's podcast we need to talk about Tuesday's game hopefully enough people will listen to the podcast before Tuesday we are doing Sunday podcast as part of our successful kickstarter recently try and get this out as soon as possible after the game, um, but Leicester the visitors to the turf on Tuesday night the champions, Leicester City, Kevin, they haven't won away yet this season, their away record is almost as bad as ours, Um but weirdly, Burnley aren't favourites with the bookies for this game. Although six wins on the bounce, Burnley would surely be expected to win this game.
4: Yeah, I think once upon a time this would be quite a crunchy match. But actually, you look at it now, and despite what the bookies, again, this is some this is something else where I'm going to use my st- statistical um, knowledge being rightness. The, the bookies are wrong.
2: <laughs> that technical terms, statistical yeah. being rightness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, like gamble exactly. responsibly and all that, but. And I know a lot of people don't like to bet on their own team, but the price against Leicester is like purely wrong. It's totally wrong.
4: It's just wrong. It's, uh, I went it's, about it's, Ed Milbauer. It's, <laughs> it's just wrong. <laughs> it's just not true. <laughs> it, 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 but it's, it, it's difficult to, to really understand where that's yeah, coming from. Right? You, look at, you look at our form. Against us. It's, it's stupid. We're, we're above Leicester in the league as a whole, not even when you consider kind of the, the, the respective home and away form. So... I, I can just, I, I, yeah, I'm, as you can see, I'm kind of lost for words from, from that. But yeah, um, like I say, once upon a time, this would be a bit of a crunchy match. But now you you look at it now and certainly from my perspective, you look at us as you you go into this match thinking it should be a comfortable comfortable win for us. And and how how often could you say that for, for Burnley going into a private game against um, current Premier League champions, as, as as it's weird, isn't it? It's really as, 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 as much as well, kind I of still unique, think it's weird, unique, like
2: referring to Leicester as the
4: champions or stuff. Yeah, I was gonna so. say, uh, as much as they are unique Premier League champions, it's very, you know, very different kind of Premier I don't League championship. I've a lot of yeah,
2: still... <laughs> crunchy matches, <laughs> brother. Crunchy, crunchy. About... I'd what... take a crunchy to the <laughs> half time uh, tree. What's that all about? <laughs> So another home game, Natalie. So we've won ten games at home this season in all competitions already, which is insane. You see the stat um, about Liverpool—they've lost three games at home in fourteen days or something. Burnley have lost three home games in four hundred and twenty days. Like, I should have probably got the stat up before trying to no, read it. No, that out. was perfect.
3: You did that right. Yeah, <laughs> Good. that's the did right. right? Yeah. Excellent. Um, I've seen it all over my Twitter team timeline today. So yeah.
2: But Turf more is a fortress at the moment, and as much as Leicester are champions and still in the Champions League and all this stuff, like we'll fancy ourselves against anyone at the Turf at the minute, and someone below us in the table.
3: For sure. Yeah, I share Kevin's utter. Just dismay that we're not favourites to win this game. I, it just beggars belief to be honest. I
2: don't want to make a fortune out of it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Gamble responsibly, listeners. Um, Yeah, I I just, I'm, I'm feeling very, very confident. I think, and maybe if we'd have got, um, if we hadn't have got the 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 results against Palace and Southampton, now maybe would have been a little bit more cautious with my optimism but I think you know I actually thought when Palace came to play us that they were particularly strong so I thought they played very well um, and I thought we, we battled hard to win that game so you know Leicester are uh, are going to be they're not going to be any tougher to play against Southampton or Palace at home the stage Palace were at when they played us um, and we've we've shown that we can we can be well organised and we can beat those teams so I'm, I'm fine about choosing that and at the end of the day if we are going to comfortably see ourselves out of relegation and we're going to survive we have to win all of the home games that we reasonably think we can, so taking away the likes of Chelsea and, and those kind of teams where you think mm, you're un- un- you are probably, ununited, that you're potentially going to struggle. Um, anybody else other than the top six, you've got to think. Well, they've got they become the must win games until we can start sorting out our tire away form. So I'm I'm confident.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely fair to be confident. I mean, normally you'd maybe be slightly concerned about possible complacency, but I'd, I don't see that being being a problem for, for part of that team when you've got people like Joey Barton in the dressing room. sure Sean, D- Sean Dyche will be drilling into them the importance of keeping up the momentum at home and just making sure that you, you get the points that you should get from a game like this. Um, and then Watford away at the weekend, Kevin. We've been talking for weeks about away games against teams around us and below us in the table. With the the away form improving... As we keep saying, even though we keep losing, um, this is surely the the litmus test for it. if we can go to Watford and get something, it will show that the away form actually is improving, not just that people are saying that.
4: Yeah, the next few away games will be huge for yeah, our season. You look at now: it's Watford, so got... then
2: Hull, then Swansea. Them, yeah,
4: before. and then you go even past fight. You've got, yeah, then you've yeah, got, Sunderland, you've got Liverpool. Then you've got, Sunderland, yeah. yeah, Sunderland, Middlesbrough. Um, Crystal Palace, so it's it's now.
2: Yeah, Liverpool, the only you, top you, half side. We've got to play away from so home.
4: What what if I was Sean Dice, which uh, as we've seen, I am right all the time. So he should be doing. He, he should be listening to my yet. advice here. Uh, if I was Sean Dice, I'd, I'd be looking at the I'd be talking to players now and saying, "Looks, let's if you look at our way, away form, let's wipe it, wipe the slate clean now. It starts from here. Yeah. It's it's almost like the start. This should be the start of our season away from home um, because if we can banish thoughts of what's happened previously and just kind of go into this afresh, it, it, it's, it's, what we do in the next few away games is going to be really, a really good indication, like you say, of us. Is it just that we... Because even earlier in the season, we got that point at Manchester United, so a, a couple of recent good performances like at, at Arsenal when we uh, really should have got a point, is that just another case of us kind of really upping our game even further against the big boys, um, one of the, you know one of the bigger teams, but not really a big indication of a wider trend. So it would be really interesting to see. Even if we don't get a win at Watford, you be, you'd be looking for to see us come really put a really really strong performance in yeah, there. Hopefully. Even the point would be a building block, wouldn't it? For absolutely, yeah. Anything we get from from that game is 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 absolutely huge for us, really, and then. Even if we get a point, we can get them. Hopefully, go and build on that from From Hull, I think if we don't win any of the next three away games, that that'd be very disappointing for me.
2: Yeah, I think we we seem to keep saying it, but they are a big opportunity. Um, I know Hull. Have, I think Hull have won three in a row at home under Silver, and Swansea seem to have turned it around a little bit under Clement. But these are two of the worst teams in the league. You've got to be looking to get results there. Um, but Watford before then at the weekend. Natalie, they're in a, a pretty poor run of form. they start started the season very well. They beat Manchester United at Vicarage Road. But we've got to go there and treat it as an opportunity to win the game, surely.
3: I'd be very surprised if we don't. We hear Dyche say all the time, don't we, that they approach every yeah. single and game. I, and I hope we do have win. a
2: real goal. I, I, I don't want yeah. us to go there and like, play for a nil-nil and keep it tight and then try and nick one. because I think I, Watford are really vulnerable. Really...
3: They a- are, but we've seen it. One of the criticisms we have thrown at this side um, away from home this season is that he has been quite negative in his tactics, and he has gone away throwing men behind the ball and trying to play for that nil-nil and hope that he might spring a one-nil. And I, I just, I agree with you, Jamie. I just do not see how he can do that against Watford. That it will not work. Um, they they'll see through that, and I think we, we could end up. Um, we, we've got to start turning this away form round, and we've got to we've got to look at it on balance at the end of the season and look at the results away from home and if we if we end up winning or getting a good amount of points from the teams around us in the second half of the season we almost can forget about the first half of the season because we've played most of our tricky games away in this first half and we just can't we can't do that anymore we've got to do better so i expect I really expect him to go for it against Watford, especially as it would be. Um, I think it would be the first side, won't they, that we'll have taken six points from, obviously, because we would now start in the second start of the fe- feature. And I'm not, somebody will maybe factor check this for us, but I'm not entirely sure that we have taken six points in Premier League seasons, have we? From teams? Uh, I can't think of any.
2: Not whole, but, we always need to be whole. We're not done the
3: double overhaul. If we have, it's probably going to be them, but it would be very nice to start already in January having a team like Watford. I
2: to add to what's already been said, I think we're looking ahead to next season, improving the away form is going to be crucial because we, we can't expect to take to as many points at home no, I agree. as we have this season. You tend to get a bit of second season syndrome, don't you, after you've survived once. Teams know a bit more about you, maybe work out your game plans. We we just can't expect to win every home game like we have been um at the minute. But that said we're gonna do predictions for Leicester and I'm guessing we're all gonna predict a home win. but first let's get it over with Kevin. What happened in this week's predictions? Predictions, predictions It's the
3: prediction league. <laughs>
1: La, 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 la,
2: la, 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 I'm beginning to hate this feature.
3: <laughs> I hate this feature already, and we're like four weeks in. Whose idea was this feature? <laughs>
4: what a week. Yes. <laughs> Last week, we we heard that I, I kind of cemented my place at the top of the table, and it's, it's got even further now.
1: Oh, God.
4: <laughs> As is very typical of knowing everyone, Absolutely was, unbearable. everyone was far too positive.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> it became very obvious in that game we weren't scoring four I knew I was in trouble by about half time to be
4: fair James Jamie and Natalie all predicted four, we'd scored four goals um Jamie was the, the least optimistic of those who thought we'd concede one um whereas James and Natalie both went for four nils I was completely realistic um I went for a two nil win
3: you and even is, said as well, there's no way we're scoring four goals. I'm going two 0 You were like so dismissive of all of our predictions.
4: <laughs> I was checking. In fact, I was. I was checking our. Um, I was checking our. Our our chat earlier, and everyone was uh, <laughs> the other guys were. Jamie, James and uh, Natalie well we need to score another, we need to score another Honestly, well, I was, I was actually
3: clock watching I was so stressed and, like, this I was next, hoping I was like, we scored more no you...
4: goals <laughs> I know, I'd had
3: have taken 2-1 just to make you Nothing. I was genuinely desperate for a third goal and everyone was like Natalie it's alright, we've wrapped up, I was like no you don't understand, it can't be too <laughs> goals.
2: It's bigger than this <laughs>
4: <laughs> so let's get the, let's get four. Oh, the way. We've a hundred percent record in getting results right at the top of the table with me. So I've got four results and three scores from my four matches, How many which points is, is, that? There it is that leaves me top of the table with ten points. James, James has got respectable. He's only he's been only been caught out once, so he's got seven points just behind me. Whereas you two, you might as well give up now. You're both way behind with uh, three points each. With have uh, oh, no, three I'm not last on my own. Seven
3: points <laughs> clear
4: you've got three you've got three results but not a single score between you yet do you know
3: what's worrying me more than anything about this my very smug announcement at the beginning of this feature that we should do four fits to the person i
1: didn't think i was gonna be at the bottom of the table
3: i thought i was gonna be at the top so i was like yeah we're gonna get four fits to the loser i think it was gonna be (laughs) birdie now i'm like oh crap
2: (laughs) right we we best do this week's uh prediction that James isn't on this week's podcast, by the way, because he's at some Disney thing, Marvel or whatever, is some something for kids. <laughs> but obviously he needs to do his predictions, so we've asked him to record his predictions, and that's where this is going to go in now Yeah,
0: Considering that Leicester have looked anything like uh, reigning champions and the way we've looked at home this season, I think we're going to uh, be reasonably comfortable, actually, and I think it's going to be a 2-0 win.
4: I think, I, I, think, I think that was a terrible prediction nearly <laughs> four sad we don't know what he said
2: but we were just presume that it was bad um so that was james's predictions whatever they were um natalie you can go next we need two games on this week's podcast um did we do Leicester last week we didn't do Leicester last week did we
3: no uh no no i don't think okay, we did good. we'll start with leicester, we then. leicester
2: at home what for the way um oh
3: right leicester at home i'm Got a very good feeling about Leicester at home. <laughs> I my new turnstile routine is working well for me, so I think it's gonna be a comfortable home win. Um, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet just because I think Leicester have a goal threat. So I'm gonna say two one win to Burnley. Watford away, I'm going to say one-nil win to Burnley. Oh, <laughs>
2: oh. Um, I'm going to say 1-1 at Watford. I hope you're writing these down, Kevin. You're the spreadsheet master. <laughs> 1-1 at Watford. And at home, I'm going to say 3-1 to Burnley
4: against Leicester. Well, you're all wrong. <laughs> I don't know why
2: we bother giving predictions.
3: I know. <laughs> Tell us well, what the scores uh, are going to be. Did you Did you uh, agree with any of our predictions, Kevin? Well,
4: I was going to say congratulations because you're going to increase a couple of points here because you you are indeed correct that we're going to draw one all at Watford.
3: Yes, I well, so, nearly said one one.
4: Congratulations, Jamie van <laughs> <Get in. laughs> Um, and it's going to be a one 0 win against Leicester. So win against there we go. I nearly effort.
3: said one 0 as well. Oh, I've made an error with wow. these predictions. Still, right
2: now. <laughs> I could have told you that So that's it for this week's podcast then the predictions Kevin in full flow at the top of the league unfortunately hopefully we'll catch him up over the next two games Leicester at home Watford away transfer deadline day this week as well as the FA Cup draw so next week's podcast will be very busy if you'd like to get in touch with us before then please do so email address as always is podcast at dot net. you can also tweet us at never. Next, thanks to Rick, who provides the artwork for our podcast every week. Adam's editing this week, so thanks to Adam for editing. Thanks to Natalie and Kevin for joining me. No thanks to James, who went to his Disney thing instead. But I've been Jamie Smith. This has been the Nor and Ever podcast. Goodbye.
0: I've just realised that without without James on, we, we didn't talk about how terrible Michael
4: Cately is. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true.
2: Cately didn't get a mention, did he? he oh. doesn't deserve me. a, is, a
4: that's, mention. That's why. That's why James isn't at some Disney thing. He's actually just. he's just. He can't come on because he, he doesn't <laughs> want the upset. indignity of talking about how poor Michael Cately is. He
3: was poo today. Was Cately? He was. It honestly, he was really poor. Um, Kevin I'm not entirely sure I like new smug Kevin that keeps appearing on the feature well, it's not going
2: to last forever at all. He like... no
3: he can't do he and we need to catch up right. with him I, I, it's, it's, it's disturbing oh, it. <laughs> it's
4: just... it, like your prediction <laughs>
3: you I'm talking about...
4: <laughs> like, like your prediction last week That's far too optimistic you're <laughs> never going to catch me
3: God damn. I blame the Arsenal results had I got three points I'd have been on six points